uh, I want to talk about something that we talked about last Sunday. Last Sunday, we ended our service by talking about our Halloween for Hunger initiative, which is a food drive that we do on Halloween, uh, conveniently enough, that's in support of the food drive of Waterloo Region. And the reason why we do this is because as followers of Jesus, one of the ways that we follow Jesus is in how we respond to uh, the needs of of those in our region. And uh, in fact, this is how we understand who we are and what we're to be about as a a local church. You know, we are a a group of vibrant followers of Jesus. We are a community of vibrant followers of Jesus who one of the ways that we express this is by meeting the tangible needs of our community. And so as we talked about last week, Halloween for Hunger is one way that we can live this out. And so this week, I, I want to spell out a couple ways that you might be, want to be involved in this, because we do need a considerable amount of help to make this happen. Um, and so let me say that there's sign-ups for this that are in your email. You got an email this morning. There's a link to Halloween for Hunger. If you follow that link, it'll describe to you what the needs are and how you can sign up. There are also clipboards out on the, um, beside the coffee station over here on the counter, much to our coffee team's chagrin that we were invading their space. It was for good reason this morning. They'll get over it. They'll be fine, but you can sign up over there. No, she says no, she quit. Okay, good. Uh, but we need quite a few people to help us out, and so let me kind of walk through this. Maybe some of this stuff appeals to you. We need some people to come in, uh, come in and to assemble the flyers and the bags, the donation bags, and they even package them up into, you know, the convenient piles that we can then assign to people who are delivering these uh, flyers, and we need a couple people to help out with that, so that's one thing you can do. Uh, in the week before Halloween, uh, we need people who will go and just go for a walk with your family, with your small group, do it on, uh, uh, by yourself as alone time just to get your steps in there. However, we need people to go door to door and drop off about 800 flyers. We won't give you all 800. We might give you 90. 90. You want 800. You can have 800. Sold to the lady in the front. All right. No, we, we will give you a, a route that works for you and what you can manage. And uh, we need people to do that delivery. And then on the 31st, we need a team of people here uh, to both go walk those routes and collect the food. A great thing to do with your kids. Great thing, again, to do with, some, with a friend. Um, and then we need people here at, to box up that food, and then we need cars to go back and forth to meet the people who are collecting the food to bring it back here for the boxing up people, and then we need wagons to actually help with the shuttling as well too. Lots of ways that you can help, okay? You want to be a driver? We could use a driver. You want to be somebody who's out walking, trick-or-treating, while collecting food for the food bank? We need you too. If you just would be preferred to be an inside cat for that activity, we've got a role for you here packaging up the, uh, the goods. And then if you're just somebody who's like, I would love to collect snacks to make sure that the people who are volunteering are well-fed, We need your help with that as well, too. So there's lots of ways to get involved. It's a fantastic way that we have a positive impact on our neighborhood. It's a great thing to do together because you get to know other people because you're working and serving alongside one another. It's a great way that we express our faith. It's just a really great event, and we hope that you'll get involved. And in the next couple weeks, we'll also tell you about, you know, how can you bring in good, canned goods for the food drive or how you can give to this because we will also take financial donations via the food bank, uh, food bank fundraising page. Um, for how we as a church can be contributing to this as well. Anyways, so all I have to say, hope that you get involved in Howling for Hunger this year. It'll be good, and it's nice to be doing it again like this after two years of doing COVID variations of it. So it'll be nice to be able to walk around the neighborhood and to make those connections with our neighbors once more. As we prepare for our teaching time this morning, why don't we just pause and just uh, have a word of prayer, and then we'll dive into what we have planned this morning. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for just the opportunity to be together. 
Lord, for the moments, uh, those moments of worship that, that invite us to focus our attention on who you are and what you've done for us. For the stories of how you are at work in this community that were shared by Sarah and Anita, Lord, and, and again, it reminds us of, of, of what it means to be in relationship with one another and how that can have a positive impact on us, Lord. We thank you for what you're doing here. And Lord, as we have the opportunity to, to serve our, our region in this way, um, Lord, we're grateful for that. We're grateful that we have the energy to do that, and Lord, we just ask that you would bless our efforts. Now, Lord, as we, we turn to our, our teaching time this morning and as we prepare for communion uh, in just a few moments, we ask that, that you would quiet our hearts, that we would have an ability to listen to how you are speaking to us uh, right now and in preparing us to serve you in the week that is ahead. In your name we pray. Amen. You know, one of the fun things that has emerged uh, for our family as a result of this pandemic is this tradition, this ritual even, of, uh, of having a big Saturday morning breakfast together. Uh, you know, as a family, we, we used to like going out for breakfast on a Saturday morning. That was a thing that we, that we would do. Uh, and then the pandemic hit and we couldn't go out for a while. And we, then it occurred to us, we can make this at home. And we can do it far less, far more cheaply, and we can do it far more often. You know, as great as going out for breakfast, we could do this at home. And so it started to become this, this thing that we did every week. In fact, on Friday nights, the kids would say, are we doing a big breakfast tomorrow? And we'd say, yeah, and here's the plan. And it became this, this tradition that we do together. You know, it starts with getting up and, and you know, whenever everybody's ready, and we play music as, 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 uh, as the meal is made. And usually I, I make sure that the kids have to listen to some 80s classic rock, and they have their favorite songs. I don't know if that's good or not, but they do. Uh, or we listen to a mix of, like, some kids' songs that are in there, too, and I now know what their favorite songs are, and I have them going through my head. Well, the, and at the same time, we're all making the meal together, and the kids are setting the table. And then we sit down, and we actually eat a meal that everybody will eat, which is a miracle in and of itself. And that meal is just unrushed. There's laughter, there's stories. It is this time together as a family that is beautiful and wonderful and has become a bit of a ritual for us. And we kind of just stumbled into that. You know, whether we're aware of it or not, we, we all have rituals that are a part of our lives. They could be as simple as that first cup of coffee we have in the morning. Or it could be in how our family celebrates something like a birthday, and there's this particular birthday cake that somebody, so-and-so has to make for that birthday just to be just right. Or maybe it's in how we plan and we celebrate for, for holidays and celebrations like Christmas and Easter. Or maybe it's a particular board game, a go-to game that we play as a family or with a group of friends. These things can become a part of a ritual for us. And you know what, rituals can take on many shapes and forms. But we know it's a ritual when, when we realize that there's a meaning that transcends what it is that we're actually doing. Getting back to the family breakfasts, as much as we like bacon, eggs, and hash browns, and waffles, as much as we love those things, what we're doing is more than just about the food. The food's a part of it, but it's, there's more happening there. Rather, this has become a, a time, is something that expresses who we are as a family. It expresses the relationships that exist among the four of us. And likewise, that first cup of coffee that you enjoy in the morning can be more than just a cup of coffee. It can be a moment of reflection, a moment of meditation as we think about what's important to me as I prepare for the day that's ahead of me. 
Or that birthday cake that has to be made by so-and-so is probably much more than just that cake. In fact, other people might try that cake and say, it's really not that good. But really what that cake represents, it represents the love and the relationship by the per- with that person who's making it. Or that Christmas tradition is about so much more than the things that you actually do, but it represents our understanding of who we are in light of the relationships of the people that we are with. Or that go-to game, it's more than just something to pass the time, but it represents laughter and conversations. It represents the, the relationships that we have with the people that we are sitting down to play the game with. You know, we all have rituals that are a way of reminding us about who we are and what is important to us. Well, this morning we want to talk about a ritual that serves an important role in our lives as followers of Jesus because it reminds us who we are as followers of Jesus. And of course, we're talking about the Lord's Supper, also known as communion. And I'm going to use those two terms interchangeably this morning, just, uh, just as an FYI. And the reason why we partake in the Lord's, the Lord's Supper is that it calls us to remember who we are And it's much bigger than this wafer that we're going to eat and this little bit of juice that we're going to drink. Because if it's only about these, let me just tell you up front, they don't taste that great. There's more to it than this. And so the big idea that we're going to explore this morning is that the Lord's Supper invites us to reflect on who we are as followers of Jesus. And with this in mind, I think it, it connects with what we've been talking about over the past few weeks as we've been uh, working through our first series called Engage or Re-Engage as we've been talking about our relationship with Jesus, uh, our relationship with one another as a church community, and also with our relationship with our, our neighbors as we were looking at and being prompted to engage or re-engage in these three things. And I think the Lord's Supper this morning prompts us to reflect on all of these things together. And so to get going this morning, we're going to read from 1 Corinthians chapter 11, starting at verse 17 to verse 29. In the following directives, I have no praise for you, for your meetings do more harm than good. In the first place, I hear that when you come together as a church, there are divisions among you, and to some extent, I believe it. No doubt you have to, there have to be differences among you to show uh, which of you have God's approval. By the way, that verse 19 there, dripping with sarcasm, right? No doubt there have to be differences among you in order to show who has God's approval. So then, when you come together, it's not the Lord's Supper you eat. For when you are eating, some of you go ahead with your own private suppers, and as a result, one person remains hungry and another gets drunk. Don't you have homes to eat and drink in? Or do you despise the church of God by humiliating those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you? Certainly not in this matter. For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink of it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So then, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. Everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink from the cup. For those who eat and drink without discerning the body of Christ, eat and drink judgment on themselves. And we'll just end there this morning. 
The first point that we want to explore is that the Lord's Supper invites us to reflect on our own relationship with Jesus. In verses 23, 24, and 25, Paul recounts the words of Jesus and tells us that when Jesus shared the cup, that he told his followers that as they drank it, they were to remember the new relationship with God that was being made possible by his coming death. Now, I don't know about you, but the reality is that I can take things and people for granted from time to time. For example, I have people in my life that have been around for so long that I just don't appreciate their friendship like I ought to. In fact, I just kind of assume that they're always going to be there. Or uh, I have family that I'm so comfortable with that from time to time the way I interact with them isn't honoring. In fact, at times it might be downright disrespectful. Does that sound familiar to you at all? I'm sure it's just me, but go ahead. You know, as followers of Jesus... We need to be aware that this can be a part of our relationship with Jesus and to Jesus. That we can begin to take for granted his presence in our lives and his love for us. And I think that this is what the Apostle Paul has in mind in these verses because he's warning us to not just go through the motions when it comes to the Lord's Supper, but to instead be fully present in what we are doing. This is what Paul means when he says that we ought to examine ourselves and we ought to discern the body of Christ. Now, discerning the body of Christ is about two things. The first thing is it's about remembering that the bread and the cup are symbols that are to remind us about our own relationship with Jesus. The bread reminds us of Jesus' broken body and the cup reminds us of Jesus' shed blood. And as we hold the bread and as we hold the cup in our hands in just a few moments, we are holding physical reminders of of God's love for us, that God came to us so that we could know him and he would know us and that no longer would our sin get in the way of us knowing God. And the Lord's Supper is a ritual that reminds us of this. But we can just go through the motions here. We can choose to not pause and to be present in this. But when this happens, this is what Paul is talking about when he says that we can do this in an unworthy manner. And so we are invited this morning to be present in what we are doing and to remember how God's love has been present in our lives and is changing our lives. Now the phrase the body of Christ can also be used and is also used in the New, in the New Testament to, to refer to the community of followers of Jesus, to refer to the church. And so as we eat and we drink this morning, we are remembering that God's love is not just for me, but it is for us. That Jesus' death has paved the way for others to experience God's love too. And the Lord's Supper reminds us that we aren't doing faith, we aren't supposed to do faith alone. It's not just about me, but we belong to one another as as a result of what Jesus has done. And so our relationships here matter. And so one of the ways that we could eat and drink in an unworthy manner this morning is by thinking or taking for granted the relationships that we have here and maybe even thinking that these relationships, really, they aren't that big of a deal. In particular, in particular we, would do it, we would be partaking in communion in an unworthy manner if we're stubbornly refusing to recognize that there's something wrong with another, another follower of Jesus in our relationship to them. And we're refusing to make things right or to take steps to try to make things right. 
Now, this kind of moves us into our next point this morning because, you know, the Lord's Supper does invite us to reflect on our relationships with one another. And we've talked about this a couple weeks ago, you know. Who we are as a church, part of the way that we express that is in our relationships to and with one another here as, as a local congregation. Now, in the early church, they didn't celebrate the Lord's Supper like we are today. They most certainly did not use hypoallergenic wafers and conveniently packaged cups of juice. They did not use these, believe it or not. Rather, it was a potluck style of meal that was countercultural in so many ways. See, the, uh, the Lord's Supper was to be this beautiful meal together that, that transcended the ways in which society would divide. You know, society then was divided along lines of class, along lines of race and, and, and social status. But at the early church, because of Jesus, they came together and rich and poor sat side by side. People who were Jewish and non-Jewish sat side by side. Uh, it, men and women sat side by side. It just def- it defied the normal ways in which society was divided. See, because of Jesus, our relationships with one another are different. And this meal was to be a, f- a physical expression of the spiritual reality. But over time, the old patterns of us versus them, us and them, popped up. With one of the issues being that there were those who were well off who would bring these lavish things to the potluck meal, but they wouldn't share it with others. They'd keep it to themselves. Maybe them and their friends would eat it, and there would be other folks who weren't so well off who didn't have much or anything to bring, and they would go hungry. And some Bible scholars would point out that, that for some of those people who weren't so well off, this meal, this weekly meal, might have been the best meal that they got all week. And yet, the practice of this, of this church fell into the haves and the have-nots. And Paul says, this isn't how it's supposed to be. See, the Lord's Supper is not just about our standing before God, but it's about our relationships to and with one another, and it's to bring into expression the, 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 the inward reality that because of Jesus, we have been made new and we've been connected to others, and so the relationships that we have to, to and with one another are to be honoring and to be um, life-giving and are to reflect the radical, inclusive love of Jesus. And so as we eat and drink together this morning, we are remembering that our relationships to and with one another matter. And we are to be mindful of that. Have you ever had the experience where you, you suddenly realize that you've only been thinking about yourself and you haven't given a thought to anybody else? Have you ever had one of those experiences? For me, what comes to mind is a, like a family dinner, and we got Thanksgiving on the mind, so maybe I'm thinking about Thanksgiving, where like, you, you know like when you decide, I'm not going to eat because the, the good food's coming, but I sit down at the table and I'm just starving. And so finally the food starts to get passed around, and all I can see is the bowl of mashed potatoes making its way towards me, and I decide I'm just going to load up. And I'm just piling it on there, piling it on there, but partway through something clicks that maybe this whole bowl of potatoes isn't for me, but there's supposed to be enough for everybody else. And you look around, and I'm sure you've done this too, and you think, okay, if I have this much and everybody else takes this much, is there going to be anybody left for, you know, somebody else? See, in those moments, I recognize that my hunger, in this case, in my hunger, I've only been thinking about myself, that I haven't been thinking about whoever else might need to access you know, whoever else might need to share this good thing that I have. You know, as we think about the Lord's Supper, it's a ritual that reminds us that our experience with Jesus isn't just about us. It isn't even just for us as a local church. 
But it's our, our experience with Jesus is supposed to be shared. We aren't just supposed to be holding on to it thinking it's all about me. It's something that is to, is to be shared for others. As Paul reflects on the Lord's Supper, he talks about how what we are doing is a proclamation of Jesus' death. And in this statement, he points us to another dimension of the Lord's Supper, that as we enact Jesus' sacrifice by eating and drinking in a few moments, we are recognizing that that wasn't just for me. See, it isn't just about my relationship with Jesus. It isn't just a reminder that I am connected to you. Those things are, are true. But it's also a way that we announce that through Jesus' death and through his resurrection, that the powers of sin have been defeated. And as a result, everyone is invited to experience the life and love of God. God's good gift of love and his life is to be made known to everyone. And so the Lord's Supper invites us to reflect on our mission to our neighbors. You know, as we eat and drink this morning, we are reminded that the mission of Jesus was to bring the love of God up close so that people like us could be changed by it. And so as followers of Jesus, we likewise have been, been given the mission to take the love that it, God's love that has changed us and continues to change us on a daily basis and to bring it to our neighbors in such a way that they can experience it too. And we do this through our presence. We do this through our actions. And sometimes we even do this by having conversations about Jesus with our neighbors. But the Lord's Supper reminds us that our experience of God's love is not just for us, but it needs to be shared with others. As we transition to celebrating communion this morning, let me give us some instructions. As you walked in, for those of us in the building, uh, we were given one of these. If you didn't get one, again, this is an opportunity. If you didn't get one and you want one to celebrate communion, just put your hand up. We're happy to get you one. Um, let me kind of walk us through this, okay? And let's just acknowledge up front, it's going to make a crinkly noise, okay? And uh, it's kind of noisy when we try to open it up. And uh, if you have to stifle a giggle, it's okay. Uh, we all do it. Um, in order to get the wafer, you peel the piece of cellophane off the top. Just like this. Yeah, you can do that one now. Don't open the next one, though, otherwise you're going to spill juice all over the place. And there you'll find your wafer. Uh, if you, to get the juice, there's another piece of foil underneath. I recommend, from experience, don't open it like this, toward, like you're, you're pulling it away from you. We want to pull it towards you. Otherwise, it sometimes shoots juice at your shirt. Okay? Again, I've learned from this. Um, and because... The Lord's Supper is something that expresses who we are in relationship to and with one another. I really would encourage you to hold on to the elements and to wait for my cue so that we can eat it and drink together this morning as we express you know, that, that God's love has not just transformed us, but is transforming who we are as a church community, as a part of who we are, that together, because of Jesus, we have been brought together. As we prepare for communion this morning, would you please join me in prayer? Lord Jesus, thank you so much for this opportunity to be together. And Lord, this morning as we partake in communion, as we partake in the Lord's Supper, we are mindful of what it represents. Lord, that your love was so, so much for us that you came to us and you gave up your own life so that we could know you, that we would not be held down by our sin. Lord, that we could be brought into new relationships with one another. 
And Lord, that we get to be a part of what it is that you are doing in our world. And so Lord, this morning as we eat and we drink, we ask that you would help us to be mindful of this. That as we hold the elements in our hands, that, that we, would, we, would, we would feel them, that Lord, that, that, that touch would stimulate reflection. That as they touch our lips, Lord, that we would, we would taste and see that you are good. And Lord, that we would invite you to be a part of our lives all over again. And Lord, that we would be just willing and eager to be a part of, of your good work in our world. Lord Jesus, for those of us who are struggling this morning, would we meet your love in this moment? Would we experience you in a life-giving, fresh way that just picks us up in whatever we are dealing with this week? For those of us who are celebrating, might this, this likewise be a celebration of the good things that we are experiencing and the good things that you have done and are doing in our lives. And Lord, we want to give you thanks. Lord, we're grateful for this reminder. We're grateful for this ritual and for how you invite us to regularly remember you in this way. In your name we pray.